Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. My name is Umar Hamid. I'm your host on the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategy, and advice on how you can become better, stronger, faster. Just before we get started, I've got a question for you. Do you have a negative voice inside your head? We all do, right? I'm going to help you remove that voice in under 30 days guaranteed. Not only remove it, but transform it. So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Today, I have the privilege to have Joe Serra here. He is the National Sales Manager for STI, Computer Services, Inc., and he's written this amazing book that I want to talk about. Make more sales, make more money, because one of the limiting factors of salespeople getting great results is not having enough qualified leads in the pipeline. If you don't know, if you don't have that, you got nothing, baby. Joe, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, Joe, you've been selling since 1976. What's changed from you know the early days to like 2018? Like, there seems to be a massive shift. What's similar and what's what's different? Well, sales is exactly the same. It's still one-on-one, person-to-person, and it's really a personal business. But what's changed more than anything else has been the way we generate leads. Uh, In the old days, we used to do a lot of direct mail uh, to try to generate interest in a product. Now we're doing everything on uh, the computer with the Internet. Uh, So that's probably the biggest change is technology. Brilliant. So in uh, just to give us a sense of who you are, in 90 seconds, tell us who you are and what you do. Oh, sure. Uh, I'll give you the short version of a long story. But uh, after going to graduate school, I was picked up by IBM as a salesperson to sell, in, at that time, what they called many computers to physician groups. And uh, back then, right, they I remember. I'm sorry? I, I remember many computers. <laughs> The deck and the data general, all of those, wang. <laughs> uh, well, back then, if you remember, a mini computer was about forty, fifty thousand dollars to start, and I think a house cost about thirty-six thousand dollars. So they weren't that many, and very few people had access to them. But when IBM brought out the uh, PC back in, I think, what was it nineteen eighty, eighty one, eighty two? It gave that capability to people to now have a personal computer to do what at one time only the big companies could do. So I got involved right. early in generating a, what I called a sales organization product on a PC, which really was nothing more at that time than a mailing list and a very simple contact management software. So one of the limiting factors now is getting enough appointments. So tell me uh, about your book, how to use technology to get more quality appointments so you can have more conversations and sell more uh, products and services. Oh, sure. I never like cold calling, and I don't think many salespeople do. Makes them cry. So I realized, <laughs> so I, when I worked for IBM, they basically handed you a telephone book and said, start dialing for dollars. And I didn't like that. So I I realized quickly that it made more sense if a prospect asked for information than if you offered it, because it it basically told you there was an interest with the prospect. So what I did was I got a little help with a systems engineer at IBM. We put together a mailing list. I got the phone book 
typed all the medical practices into the phone book and sent out a direct mail piece inviting them, the doctors, to a seminar at IBM's office. Right. And lo and behold, two or three doctors showed up. So that was the beginning of the process to realize that the hard part in selling is generating leads, not selling those leads. So without a good pipeline of leads coming in, you won't be very successful as a salesperson. That makes perfect sense. So right now you're managing a sales team. How many people in the sales team? Six. So how do you help them in like 2018 uh, generate those leads? So take me from like uh, step one to they have a conversation with a real life person that's interested. Sure. Uh, the process used to be sending out direct mail pieces. And at one time we saw, sent out 30, 40,000 direct mail pieces a month trying to generate leads on the sales on the marketing piece would be a response card that came back and we followed up that became very expensive with the raising rates of postage and everything else so now we're doing a two-prong approach for generating leads the first approach is an email blast over the past 10 20 years we've generated a relatively large uh, prospect list with email addresses and what we're doing right. is sending out about, we don't want to make people crazy, but every month or two, send out information about our products to that, that list. And of course, you know, you know, as well as I do in sales, timing is the most important thing. So you've, you've got to be able to be available to the prospect when they want to talk to you. So what that is doing is keeping warm prospects informed about us. And then whenever they're ready, they can contact us. So that's probably our primary uh, generation of lead program at the company. What we've also started doing is uh, Google AdWords. And we're putting out Google right. AdWords uh, about our products. And we're currently running a program on uh, uh, billing software and uh, what's called revenue cycle management for physicians. So if they Google a term like that, they'll will pop up onto Google AdWords and uh, once again, pull that into our, our database at our website. Then what happens once we get those ads, we have reps spread out through mainly the Mid-Atlantic Territory and we provide that lead to the uh, salesperson in the territory to follow up uh, with the uh, prospect and talk about our products. We also have a telemarketing operation where we maintain a pretty large list of uh, physician practices. Uh, this is based on my first product that I sold back in 1987, the uh, sales associate, which really was a precursor to contact, contact management software. And we're using that to maintain the lists and follow up. So we really have three prongs. We have an ability for the prospect to come to us when they're interested by keeping ourselves in front of them. We generate new leads AdWords. through uh, uh, Google AdWords, and we do a lot of follow-up with our telemarketing. Brilliant. So how do you make sure your salespeople individually across the country are uh, being effective? Well, that's <laughs> that's the interesting uh, part. It's sort of like a, 
a baseball team where you have different people with different batting averages. So you're watching uh, basically uh, how their sales are coming in. What, what I tend to like to watch is the number of leads that they get generated. Uh, if you know that one salesperson can close one in five and somebody else can close one in four, all you really have to do is maintain a steady source of leads, which by the way is the hard part uh, to that salesperson. And you know, they're going to probably close one in four, one in five, whatever their batting average is. So the key is in my mind, the key is not how many sales they make. Right. It's how many leads they get. Interesting. Well, that makes sense. That's the measure that you guys are using. So how do you, uh, Ensure that's happening in the way that you want. Well, I'd say not well. That's the hardest part because you can never guarantee that you're going to get as many interested people at any one time for a particular sales territory. So what you're doing is you're having these ups and downs based upon generation of leads. If I could figure that out, I'd be probably rich. So is that happening more with the marketing department to generate the leads? And once it becomes qualified, it zings over to the sales side. Is that how you guys do it or differently? Well, we're a relatively small company, so we are the marketing department. So the, uh, the sales department is the marketing department. So what, what we try to do, uh, and I talk about this quite a bit uh, in the book, is do a marketing campaign. So... Usually every three to six months, we're, we're putting together a program, a promotion, if you will, uh, for the physicians in the area to offer them something, either a, a new product, a twist on a new product, a discount on a product, to have something fresh to offer to the uh, prospective customers. So that's done through what I call a marketing campaign. So right. what, you've, what you find, we're actually transitioning right now from one marketing campaign to another uh, where I find that the old campaigns getting stale, the lead generation begins to drop. You want to bring in a new campaign. We spoke about this before about using independent sales reps to bring in uh, leads for the sales uh, uh, force. That's what we're looking at right now. So let's talk about that because that's actually one of the things I wanted to bring up was that brilliant strategy of using manufacturers, reps that already have relationships. So why don't you define kind of who your reps are right now and what they're currently doing with your target base and then how you onboard them to be part of your team? Sure. That's, that's, we're, it's kind of unique in the medical industry. This really, if you're a company looking for uh, the use of independent sales reps, you really have to look at your industry and how that is set up. At one time, when I worked for Control Data, I was actually running an independent sales organization, so I became familiar with the concept. Uh, in the medical community, there are a lot of different uh, industries that are selling to that community. And I'll give you one example is there's uh, uh, the pharmaceutical companies have direct sales reps that are going into visiting doctors to talk about, for instance, their particular medication so you have, have a rep going in talking to a doctor about uh, a medicine. Uh, so that most, a lot of these uh, companies use independent sales reps as well. So what's nice about an independent sales rep is they're allowed to sell more than one product. If you, as you know, if you work for a company, you're really obligated to work only for that company. 
But if you're an independent, yeah, right. If you're an independent sales rep, you have the ability to carry more than one product in your bag. So we're reaching out to those independent sales reps who are in front of doctors uh, and typically a lot more than we are to find out if they're in fact looking for a new electronic medical record, looking for a new software for their billing or looking for a billing service. And then we offer them a commission if they provide us with that information. Brilliant. I used them in the past in the consumer electronics space, and the companies I represented were smaller companies with innovative products. And we got some of the largest manufacturers reps in the country that were handling the Sharp account or some of the other super large accounts. And the reason they bothered with us, because there wasn't a lot of revenue coming from our companies to them, is that with the Sharp line, they could see their buyer once a quarter only. But because they carried our lines as well and others, they had an excuse to visit those offices on a weekly basis with something legitimate, and that kept their finger on the pulse, so they never lost their big account for not having enough data. So we were pocket change for them in terms of income, but incredibly valuable because it kept them in front of their buyers to you know solve problems that came You're up. You're exactly right. Uh, we talked about that, you and I, about Electronics Boutique way back when, when we were, we were selling products to the buyer at Electronics Boutique. And what every independent sales rep wants is a reason to go back and talk to the buyer again. So a new product in your bag gives you a reason to talk to a buyer. It's exactly right. So what do you do when you have a rep that uh, falls into a slump? Like somebody that you know has value, but for whatever reason, personal problem, uh, something about their headspace that they kind of go into a slump. How do you get them back on board and in the right mindset, doing the right that's, actions? That's a good question. And that happens all the time. Uh, an independent sales rep has products in his bag or her bag, and obviously they're going to sell what, what, what sells. So it's the key of the, the manufacturer to get that person to bring their product out of the bag, one of the first two or three products. So it's a matter of educating uh, the sales rep, just like you would educate the customer as to what's valuable about your product. So you need an edu educational program for the independent sales reps to make them understand why they want to present your product to the buyer. So it's really educational. But, oh, my reps. Oh. So I get that there, but I was thinking more of your reps that work directly for you than actually end up having those conversations. How do you get them, you know, you know we all have uh, like people that play baseball that get paid millions of dollars. They fall into slumps. So how do you help your sales reps kind of get back in the right uh, headspace? Well, what I tell them to do is give something away. When you're in a slump, the most important thing to do to get out of a slump is sell something. So right. I, I always tell them... If, if you just can't seem to find your way clear of selling something, go give someone a terrific deal. Just break that ice and and go make a deal with someone just to get your head straight. And it seems that the best way to get someone back into selling is to sell something. Uh, it's, it sounds easy, but it's sometimes you get into that place where nothing seems to work. But it, it always seems... So, Joe, yeah. let me just stop you there and and commend you. Because, you know, what you're talking about is sacrilege when it's a VP of sales. I want margin. I want value. And I think getting that person unstuck and not focusing on the bad, focusing on the good in this way is, is freaking brilliant. So <laughs> good on you, mate. 
so Joe, tell me about the best deal you ever had. Oh, my best deal? Oh, I can tell you. And it's a funny story. Uh, I was working for IBM in Philadelphia, and there's a home builder called AP Orleans. And they wanted to buy a computer for their home building business. So I sold them two IBM System 3 Model 15Ds. Long story short, it was close to a quarter million dollars for the uh, uh, computers. So the old man, Mr. Orleans himself, came down and handed me the check for the computer. So I took the check home and showed it to my wife because I never saw a check that big. And we were like laughing. Well, with the check, I bought Miriam a Honda with that one commission check from that one computer sale. About, well, here's the, here's the funny part. Oh, brilliant. About, uh, I guess, 20 years later, I'm driving down the road near my home. And I'm going by the Honda dealer, and they had a sign in the window, buy a Honda, get a free computer. <laughs> oh, hilarious. <laughs> you tried it one way, might as well try it the other. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, it just shows a little erosion in the IT world. Oh, yeah. But, oh, the prices. Amazing, isn't it? That uh, power doubles and prices have on a regular basis. Absolutely. Believe me, your, your cell phone has more memory than that quarter million dollar computer I sold to Mr. Orleans had back in 1979. So what's a deal that you saved from the jaws of death? That's something that uh, you were going to lose, but somehow you did a Hail Mary or went above and beyond to save? Well, that's a good question. That'd probably take a little thought. Uh well, usually those type of deals happen when when there's a competition in a marketplace, and uh, you have a large and we have large clients that all of a sudden get uh, approached by competitive salespeople to try to take that sale away. So I wouldn't say there's any one deal like that, but multiple times we have to go back in and explain you know, why. You, you made the right decision the first time. This is actually something that I think IBM was very good at, is making the buyer feel that they made a good decision. And there's no saying that no one ever got fired for buying IBM, which is a saying back in the 70s when there were a lot of mainframes out there. And to go back into a client that's ready to leave and explain to them once again why they made the original decision to use your product and uh, that would probably be the best example I can give you on that topic. That is brilliant, Joe. Thanks so much for sitting down with me. I really learned a lot, and especially that tip on, you know, if a salesperson's stuck, help them sell something to get movement happening to get them back in the saddle and selling at the, you know, high value again. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results. 